Hey, I'm Lexi Alexander, and I'm here with my comrade and brother, Steve Gaynor, the uh, DP. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Punisher Warzone. Well, this is the famous Lionsgate uh, logo, which actually I come to find out in Canada is an actual real location. Yes, uh, the Lionsgate Bridge there in Vancouver. Yeah. And the Marvel Knights logo, which I don't know much about, actually. <laughs> This title sequence um, actually was planned really early and was in one of the um, very early drafts to basically give the story here of what happened to Cesare and what Frank Castle is about to do. A lot of the effects that you're seeing on this are actually in camera. Uh, the flashes are me taking a little flashlight and shining it down the eyepiece of the camera. And, uh, there's a swing shift lens on the camera. Give that out-of-focus look like that. Uh, a butane canister under the lens to make it look like heat. <laughs> That's a piece of uh, chandelier glass. It has a cut in it that I'm wiggling in front of the lens. There. It's a very cold night when we shot this, but then again, pretty much all of our nights were cold, but this one was specifically cold. It was very cold. There's a large, what was that, like a, a train? Uh... Underground, and it was actually, yeah. it was already freezing in Montreal and snow and whatnot, but in this location it was colder than than um, outside even, so. And you know, if you, you're in Montreal and you're happier to be outside than inside, then you're in a, in a freezer, basically. <laughs> I really like the way they did the, the comic panel mm. look from the stage. Yeah, you know, I I kind of requested from the very beginning to use a lot of our shots because a lot of our shots, um, as you know, because we prepared it forever, are based directly and copied directly out of the uh, uh, Max comic book series. And not even like, you know, a little bit, like all the way. Like, for example, the opening mansion and uh, God, it goes on and on. Him, him in with the rifle. This is the famous uh, Marine Force Recon tattoo we just saw there. I thought that was a pretty cool setup with him in the corner of the frame and the TV on the other side. I always liked that. I liked that we didn't see you know, his face right away and just kind of like the, his essence and aura. These are a couple of very lovely stock shots. <laughs> yeah, we actually never went to New York, did we? Nope. All Montreal. And Vancouver. So this right here is taken directly out of the comic book. And lucky enough, we found that mention, which there's only one mention like that. It's Dominic. Do I fix your makeup for you? See how cold it is just from his breath. Right. I love Dominic. He's, he's a really good, great actor. And he was a great sport because... Um, I mean, we had to shave his head because of the mask, and then we had this wig, and the wig was a whole problem. And 
He was just good about everything, about in being in makeup every day for two hours. Yeah, not not only that, but you got to remember those guys were running back and forth from our unit to second unit as well. So they were right doing some of them. Uh, Ray and Dominic were doing a lot of double duty. Yeah, uh, it, you know, a lot of them, uh, the stuntmen, a lot of our crew members. Hey, keep your nose clean. I thought we had a really great cast. Karim. Karim was fantastic. Lovely guy. So this was inside the mansion, which was also on location, same mansion that you see uh, the exterior from. Right here, this is uh, Romano playing Nikki Donatelli, great guy. That that was one of my favorite, favorite uh, uh, state, like art designs that Andrew did. It's actually a very, very difficult room to work in, this one, though, because it's about a 20 by 20 room. It's just a room and with a 12-foot ceiling, but a hard ceiling. So it's not a set where you could actually hang lights outside of the set. Uh, everything had to be inside. So we ended up uh, going for it with a, a little balloon. We had a tiny little balloon that we floated inside the room because there are a lot of people oh, yeah, in there. That's right. There are a lot of people. I mean, what do you got? You got five people on his side and six or so people on Cesare's side. Wow. It was tough. My customs guy Simmons to be on that night. Union boys yes, and the uh, aquariums were actually there. We just used them. We loved them. And I think Andrew put some blue lights in there, or you put the blue lights in there. Yeah, the guy had uh, two types of lights. He had fluorescent and he had those uh, mercury vapor sort of daylight blue balance lights. And we used those because we're shooting with tungsten balance uh, light in there, the warmer light. And so any daylight balance or blue balance is going to make the water look really blue like it does. Kind of just an extension of the thing we were trying to do by... Uh, creating the comic look. Correct. And I also thought that, uh, by the way, that Cesare here in the wheelchair is a great actor named John Dunhill, who um, I was really lucky to find because that was one of those Marlon Brando kind of godfather parts. And I was like, oh, God, who's going to be doing that? But he was great. But also the work that comes to shine here, I think, was Odette. Uh, Odette, our costume designer, was just genius because I told her the wardrobe. We had this whole conversation. Steve and I tried to figure out how we can best imitate the frames of the comic book. And we finally came to the conclusion that the, the wardrobe cannot offset the colors that we're using. And so Odette did all uh, the wardrobe in basically in the same color scheme at all times, which was not easy. You think it would be easier, but it wasn't. Yeah, she's an incredibly talented person and so pleasant to work with. She was fantastic. And once she, uh, once she had understood what we were trying to do, she embraced it. And then she started coming back going, how about this? How about this? Right. It was fabulous. Correct. I really love her. Yeah, we saw the Punisher already coming in shadows. At that point, we still haven't seen really his face. Um, we did see his knife, great knife specially made for the Punisher movie by a guy who's a good friend of mine by now. I haven't met him personally, but we're emailing Dan from Relentless Knives. This also was a very difficult uh, set. This actually is a set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, is this the only. I think it is. Built it's the only stage yeah. built set. Yeah. Uh, there was somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred thousand watts of light coming into this set uh, from the top, because we had uh, as our light source a flare, 
And uh, in order to try and uh, create the red light that was going on, uh, the, the red gel that we used eats up uh, about 16 times the amount of light that comes out of a light normally. So hmm. you really have to boost it up. Of course, Lexi wanted high speed too, so right. there's, there's another couple of stops. Well, this this whole opening sequence scene is, um, you know, it, it was a lot of work, and you know, there was you saw all kinds of murders happen. There was a lot of you know, controversial reactions to the Punisher killing a woman, and you know, she and she reached for a gun. So basically, I I thought it was justified, but then I thought, hey, he's the Punisher. Why is he only going to kill male bad people? <laughs> um, and uh, and the upside down shot, which you know, of course, a lot of people love that shot. I love that shot. You love that shot. Yes. We love the thing. Some people said, oh, the Punisher would never do that, but. Our sergeant, uh, Marine Sergeant uh, Jonathan Barton, who was there as our military advisor, said, absolutely, he's the Punisher. There's uh, my favorite friend and actor, Dash, Dash Myhawk, playing Soap. He's great. He did a fabulous job. We're, we're actually back inside the real mansion again, and now we're out back. This is Tony Calabretta playing uh, uh, Detective Safiodi, also a great find, great guy. Just a really great spirit to have on set. And I think this was one of those uh, scenes, Steve, where you kind of came up with a great light sheen last minute, didn't you? Yeah, it was. Uh, we were we were a little bit on the fly with this one because uh, we'd we'd had some difficulty with weather, mm. if you remember. Oh, yeah. And the ground was wet, so we couldn't bring the lifts out onto the wet right. ground. And they would sink, and so we had to uh, improvise. Sometimes uh, some of the coolest things happen when oh, you just I, go for it. You know? Half of the stuff in this film, I thought, was the coolest stuff and was totally improvised and totally coincidental, too. How'd it go down, huh? I love Dash. I don't have to say that again. No, we all love Dash. Love he got him. a standing ovation in the end when he was wrapped just because he also is such an incredibly good guy. I mean, it's one thing to be a talented actor, but to be such a good guy. This one was one of those shots where I said to you also in the last minute, oh my God, we, we don't have them planned to get out of the car, but we need it, we need it. Can you come up with something cool? And you came up with that in like 30 seconds, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, well, backlight is the cinematographer's friend, and so I figured blast a bunch of light out of that door rising, and it might look pretty cool. Plus, add a techno yeah. crane, uh, and uh, you got a you got a great shot. Is the Punisher Ugh. fixing his nose? If you look really carefully, you'll see snow landing on the right. back window of the car. It was yeah. a blizzard when we shot this. We actually had to end production early that night because it was a, a blizzard. Right. Now I have to say to the breaking, uh, fixing the broken nose scene, I actually saw that at a tournament really happen. I saw a guy, a kickboxing guy, do that, and so that's why I thought it would be a good thing for the Punisher to to do. TJ. That's TJ Storm and our great uh, parkour guys from Montreal who were great. This is the inside of um, this this facility repaired locomotives. That's what the uh, their original right. business was. And at the same time that we were doing this, they were shooting uh, the mummy. Oh, correct, yeah. And they had all the mummy. I mean, we always joked about that their props that were standing there, all those golden horses and stuff, their yeah. props probably were more worth than our entire budget of this film, right? Almost definitely, actually. Yeah. Amazing, amazing amount of artwork. 
So now this is a small office that was inside of that uh, locomotive facility that Andrew actually uh, kind of embellished upon. Uh, right. Andrew uh, Neskaromny, our production designer. Yeah, who was kind of the third musketeer in this team. Indeed. It was um, Steve, Andrew, and myself trying to figure out, and Odette, of course, in terms of the look of this film, trying to figure out how we can do a lot for little money. Time to go to work. Running a little low, boss. We just picked up 200k from a Luciano construction site. I had to launder through the pushcat line. I like this location a lot. I thought this worked out well. Hard to work in because obviously, you know, when you're not on stage, you can't move uh, any kind of wall. So you're in there cramped and it's hot. And But I, I love the look of it. I really do. I think also it was on that day that we uh, reached our 200th roll of film. and uh, <laughs> They have this thing in Montreal, right, where when you reach your 200th roll of film, the, the actor the shot is on has to buy champagne for the entire crew. Yeah. I think they made that up when we came in town, but oh well. <laughs> You know what? Ray bought the champagne, and I think we made we we actually made both Dominic and Ray That's buy correct. the champagne. Well, we had two cameras, A and B camera. So <laughs> right. when each one reached, actually it was one hundred. When each one reached one hundred, uh, yeah. they each paid for a night of champagne for the crew, which was very nice. Uh, that was nice. That's a great shot too. We th that's not even visual effects. You shot that, right? With yeah, that, that laser. That's what happened when that laser just actually hit the the lens, the diffraction that it created. Uh, I that also love this. I love all those uh, floodlights that you put in there. Yeah, you know that that uh, what what that is is a large crane that was meant to work on the locomotives, and we just installed a couple of big xenon spotlights on them, and uh, they're, they're actually almost like rock and roll lights because they're um, automated, you know. Mm. And uh, each of these big lights that are in this set are actually just movie lights that uh, Andrew painted and distressed and put a cover on. You know, it's funny because this location, when I saw it on the screen, it was so beautiful that I thought everybody's going to think this is a set, not an existing location. But it was an existing location. I mean, Andrew made the class crusher, um, you know, and you lit it like this, but it, it, it this existed. It was also very cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the right. famous glass crusher. You know, little behind-the-scene filmmaking here. Obviously, you can't let an actor fall into real class. So this is plastic. Um, you know, there's just no way to get around that. Nobody would ensure us if, if, if this would be real class. So we have to figure out how to make this most realistic. And um, I, I thought... You know, you with the light and, and, the, and the smoke and as well as sound, I thought, did a really good job here. Yeah, sound really saved it, actually. A lot of that um, also was uh, shot second unit. Um, I thought they did an amazing job. Yeah, Doug Coleman, the director, and Brian Sweeney, the second unit cinematographer, were uh, fantastic. And, right. You know, we'd, we'd come into a location, and because of our truncated schedule of... 40 some odd days. Uh, 40 some odd? For the 40. All right. The, for, the 40th <laughs> day on. we had to fight for. This is, this is our big movie. Um, <laughs> because of our schedule, we had to bring people in to, uh, to, to finish scenes for us. That, that's what Second yeah. Unit does very often, aside from shooting establishing shots as well. 
and uh, Brian and Doug just did a sp- spectacular job because they would they would come to our set and see what we were doing and take right. notes. And also, they really gave us a lot. Like, I would say to Doug, oh, only get this and this and this and get a few people shooting back. And he always got me so much more. And Brian, of course, everything looked exactly like what you were doing, which can be a problem, you know, when you're not, when it's not the same lighting equipment, it's not the same lighting crew. So, you know, it could have easily been not matching. That's a stock shot. Not this, but the one before. <laughs> yeah. That actually was, uh, I believe, second unit as well. I mean, this was not a traditional second unit because we had such limited time, but we wanted so much. Um, there was a lot of stuff uh, we, Steve and I had to say goodbye to and just, you know, broke our heart, but we had to give it to second unit so we could get this movie done. That's right. This whole sequence of coming down into the subway actually is one of those. And then basically what happens, I mean, obviously Steve and I planned it all out and, you know, we told the actors what to do, you know, wrote the script for it, told them how to light it, but in the end we were actually not there. But I was never unhappy with anything they did, really. No, they were great. They were really awesome. I especially like this sequence right here. Yeah, me I too. I love him running there, that contrast of, mm. and the green. Uh, you know that's one of my favorite locations, right? Mm-hmm. This is the Punisher's Den, which anybody who has... <laughs> ever picked up a Max Punisher comic book knows that this looks exactly like in the comic book. And um, this is a practical location. Um, this was the one that we talked about before that's incredibly... It was colder inside there than it was outside. And outside it was like 40 below zero, wasn't it? It was snowing, so... Yeah, there were three, there was three feet of snow on the ground when oh I went outside. I was I like, oh it was God. really cold in there, really. We had these... What was it called? Canadian... Canada goose, yeah. Canada goose jackets, and not even. I had an electrical jacket <laughs> that warmed me up with batteries, and even that wasn't enough. It was really brutal. Yeah, I think I had the electric socks and the, the batteries <laughs> froze in them. So, yeah. A lot of good those did. Mm. Very comfortable with the wires in them. I think that guy is the, was the head of the uh, Screen Actors, Actors Guild Union in Canada. In Canada. Canada right? That's yeah. how he got the job in the first place. <laughs> I didn't cast him. He just uh, showed right. up. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, Larry Day. Yes, Larry Day, great guy. That was our first day, Steve, at the uh, uh, cemetery. Mm, that's right. Mm. Yeah, I love this stuff. You know, I remember that, you wanted to move a shot in the last minute, and I told you not to because I was so nervous we wouldn't make our days. And I had promised a great guy at Lionsgate named Mike Pazenak. I said, I promise you we will make our days, and I wanted to keep that promise. So it started being a little, we were a little anxious. I was, at least that day. I wanted to make sure we get it done. Colin Salmon, we love Colin Salmon. He's a beautiful man. I love to photograph him. Julie Benz, who was great. <laughs> great sport, Julie Benz is. And the little girl, Stephanie. Um, I thought she did such a great job. It's like way beyond her years. Of course, you know, it was interesting because I don't think her parents realized that they were signing up for 40 nights. 40 night shoots. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, oftentimes the parents had taken her away to sleep, and I think we had to do without. But we somehow did it, and she was always great when she was actually on. He said something big was going to happen. 
He asked for Homeland Security. We've been running 24 hour surveillance on Rosati. And just as we were about to find out. Doesn't Colin look amazing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Steve and I were always sitting behind the monitor going, oh my God, he looks amazing. Now, we, uh, we might need to tell the story about Dave Crone now. Oh, my God, you got to tell that story. Dave Crone is an incredibly talented camera operator. Uh, he was, uh, he's was he been my first pick on several motion pictures, but this is actually the first one that I was able to, to get Dave on. And uh, I respect him very much. He's a legend. He, I mean, he worked on everything great. Yeah, he's a yeah. true legend, that guy. Yeah, he, and he's fabulous. And um, I... Um, <laughs> Lexi... Um, Lexi really wanted things framed on the edge of frame, like the, the girl was right there. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Dave is a very traditional operator in that he tends to put people a little little deeper into the frame. So uh, we were constantly uh, badgering Dave, you know, put him on the edge, put him on the edge, on the edge, on the edge. So the frame would slide over <laughs> as the scene went. And then um, at this one point um, where we decided, uh, we'd already decided in advance that we really wanted to have the Punisher dead in the center of the frame. Um, Lexi reminded me, and I went over and told Dave, I said, okay, let's get him right in the dead center. And uh, He went nuts. He couldn't <laughs> comprehend it. He, like, started hitting his head at the wall. His head exploded. He went... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a legend, and he's done great work, but I think we drove him seriously insane. <laughs> Yeah, that's of all. Oh, look at that cringe, uh, Dodo. You got to give a shout out to Dodo here. Our B camera operator, uh, Dodo, it was uh, absolutely fantastic, and uh, Dominic, and actually did just an uh, incredible job for us. Uh, she, she, we would have the the first camera set up and have you know the the hero shot, and then she would search around with her B camera and find something incredibly interesting. Practically every time, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, I totally agree. And you know, we kind of were talking our Dave Grown story here over um, an important over scene. the over the flashback scene, and I just want to say that this was not actually planned as a scene; it was planned as a photo shoot, if you remember, that you later on see in Soap's office. And Steve said to me, "We're already out there; we might as well roll the damn camera." And I said, all right, well, whatever. I wasn't actually that enthusiastic about it. It wasn't planned. It wasn't in the script. And then my editor, uh, William, put it in, put, put this all together, this flashback scene. And I, I started crying when I saw it. I'm like, thank God we rolled the camera. I thought that was really great. I've got all my men trying to find out what Now, the police station was uh, the bibliotheque, the library. Correct. An, an ancient library. And um, there were a lot of rules. We couldn't paint the walls. Remember that? Right. So they were kind of salmon color if you look behind him and see it there. Right. Well, this this was very interesting. I have to tell the story here. <laughs> you, do, do you know what story I'm about to tell? Yeah. The, the extras we had, for some reason, were fairly challenging. And in this scene, uh, Colin here says, who's the FBI guy, Start, starts arguing with these local detectives and basically says, right now, this is bullshit and you Krispy Kreme motherfuckers. And he says all this and the extras would never react. Now, I was really sick, if you remember. And this was the day I was the most sick. Like, I, I did a take and then I laid back down next to the camera and slept with a fever. And then I got back up and did another take. But I started noticing that these extras wouldn't react. So I, I got myself up and I said, I got to do this right now. And I, I pulled Colin aside and pulled um, Safiodi aside and pulled all the actors aside. And I said, we're going to fake fight now. 
And we're not going to tell anybody. And I think I told you, didn't oh, I? Yes. I told yeah. you and I told my first AD. And we started fighting where I came up to them and I said, can't you say your lines? You can never say your lines. And they started yelling at me. And then Colin started yelling at the other actors. And all of a sudden we had the extras all thinking they're in the middle of a Hollywood scandal. And we finally got the reaction. Every step for the last five years. It was a good, they were good sports about it, the actors. I think they did a good job. Here we're in Soap's office. On this day, uh, there was a 50-mile-an-hour uh, wind, and it was snowing outside of those windows. Uh, it's actually on the third floor rather than in the basement Correct. of what it appears to be in the, uh, in the film. And those lights that you see coming in are on lifts. And unfortunately, due to the uh, weather, we had to lower the lifts. Remember that? Mm -hmm. I also remember for some reason that it was our Friday night. I don't know if it actually occurred on a Friday because you don't necessarily shoot Monday through Friday. I don't know Friday, if it yeah. was night or day with my <laughs> fever hanging out there in the back. I have no idea. I just remember that it was the end of a week, and yeah. uh, we had a few drinks afterward. <laughs> yeah, a little wine. Yeah. But also, you know, this was an existing location that Andrew you know, put these amazing files in there. It looked exactly like we described it. We imagined it would be... But the thing about it is this, both Dash and Colin are very tall men. I mean, yeah. they're not like the usual small actor. They're both over six foot. I mean, Colin is something like six foot four. He's a giant. Look, watch him, watch him stand here. He has to hunch over. You see he, that? He couldn't stand up straight the entire time. And then Dash, for the first time, started laughing. He said, I always have to crouch down to the other actors. This is one movie where I'm actually smaller than the main guys, you know? Ray, of course, is as tall. Look at him, he can't stand up straight. Not at all. It was a great looking place, wasn't it? Yeah, F fortunately I'm only 5'3", so I, I had no problem with that. <laughs> Stock shot. <laughs> Stock shot. <laughs> Stock shot. Stock shot. <laughs> but a good one, that one worked, actually. Well, down That here. was sec our second unit. That's right. Well, here comes Wayne. Wayne Knight. Oh my God, Wayne Knight, such a great sport. Such a great actor, such a great, just a great soul. You know, I didn't know this until I worked with him, but he comes from like proper Broadway theater. He's done a lot. Yeah, and um, I don't know, he just, uh, he, it's just when you work with actors like that, he comes, he knows his lines, he's a professional. He shows up, he asks when he wants to change something. When he does make a suggestion, it's not something that makes him bigger or better. It's something that makes total sense and makes the movie better. I mean, he's a real pro, a real pro. This was the first time Ray spoke, by the way, which was a big deal afterwards in the press, wasn't it, that yeah. he didn't speak for 25 minutes, which I thought was cool. All make mistakes, Frank. You're fighting a war. And I love that light that you know I was in love with that orange light you put in there. Yeah, that big, whatever it was, spotlight of some mm. sort. Yeah. Andrew actually placed it in there, but we put the color gel in it. Right. Just so everything wouldn't be monochromatic in there. Right. It's very easy when you have a scene that's, you know, a wash of color like this blue for it to become almost like a black and white, just a monochromatic. You didn't know. And Ray looks, I mean, look at this. This is like straight out of the comic book. There's no doubt about it. We pulled these shots out of the comic book and then we copied them directly. You know, great production design, great cinematography. I think we really achieved the look that we wanted. I'm very proud of it. So am I. This was our little homage. Yes, to Mr. Bradstreet. Yeah. Stock shot. 
<laughs> but it's augmented. There's a little digital work up there to create the orange glow. So Correct. that ah, justifies yeah, that. Love, you know, I love that look. I see. I love everything about the cinematography. In case you haven't heard that from me before. Thank you very much. This uh, this is what on the twenty second floor or something. Correct. A, a building, which is also not incredibly easy to light through the window. Yeah. Well, for those of you who are not too familiar with how the the film work filmmaking is actually done is you don't tend to go out on real locations for stuff like this you try to get stuff like this done on stage because obviously it's how you're going to get all the lights and cranes and all of that stuff uh in there and so being in existing locations was definitely challenging but you know what i have to say it also gave us something special like in terms of the atmosphere i always felt like you know the actors and the crew we were this you know, we were like in a battle and we were all sticking together and getting through it. And with each difficult location, we got better and better. And Andrew, our production designer, did me a great favor here. Those, um, the little pictures that you see yeah. in this aesthetic clinic in the background, uh, this is actually someone's office and they have a mineral collection. Correct. That are in tiny little portals in the wall. Uh, and they're lit with tiny little lights. Well, uh, when we came and scouted the location the day before to see what Andrew was doing, um, he came up with the idea of putting light in those boxes in order to backlight the, the photographs. It really helped a great deal. Hmm. Yeah, I remember us asking Andrew, I said, wouldn't it be great if this plastic surgeon has photos in there all over with good-looking, perfect people? And <laughs> then you have, oh, Dodo shot, by the way, right That here. is Dodo shot. Yeah. yeah, and then you have Jigsaw with his messed up face. And I think I thought that that turned out great. I mean, I don't know if people catch that in in such a quick moment, you know. But I need to talk to my doctor alone. Yeah, yeah, of course, Billy. I really did think that that orange light made it just really, really unique and interesting. And then this was a throwaway scene for us, and then that turned out looking so great too, you know? Well, this, a, a, a green glass door is nice right. to have. <laughs> now, I have to be honest about this. I'm not a big fan. I, you know, this sometimes you just have to make compromises as a filmmaker, and um, originally this scene was written with children in a clinic where a child sees him, and all the children start screaming and run, aw and run away except one. Uh, one kid and then Jigsaw asks why are you not screaming and the kid says because you look like my Jigsaw puzzle and you know sometimes you just have to cut things I was asked to cut it and make the script smaller and to get this film done which is okay every filmmaker has to do it and that scene went because kids are you know it's expensive to work with kids you can't work with them all day it was just a scene that had to go but I was never it's like the thorn in my eyes that stupid billboard and this whole this is how he got his name this also is a thorn in my <laughs> This is, uh, yeah, we didn't Not this, but the one before. Right. You know, you can't get everything. Yeah, no. I'm sure every filmmaker watches their films and goes, oh, I wish I could have fought for that harder. Well, we strive for perfection, and uh, it is an art form, so. Yeah. Can't, you know, I mean, who knows? Does any filmmaker ever, is, is any filmmaker ever completely satisfied? I don't think so. But that is a great shot. Not only ben Jim, not LBJ, <laughs> I thought Chixa's makeup to me turned out really great because, again, we have source material. It's a comic book, and Chixa was established in there and had a big cartoony eye. 
and we didn't like it and we didn't think that was the right way to go. And we've tried a lot of looks. We had a makeup test, if you remember, where we also oh, yeah. tried a lot of gels. And, and um, I thought Bob Short did uh, incredible uh, work here with his makeup. Bob Short, our he's kind of like most valuable player, yeah, guy he, for everything. Bob Short hung in there with us. You know, we want to point out that uh, we tried uh, also, in addition to the wardrobe, uh, the cars. We limited the color of the cars Correct. as well. Yeah, if you, like see these scenes where there's all these cars and they're all silver that was purposely done you also see the kids have the same wardrobe i mean we just really wanted to limit our um color scheme now i i see this is another thing is like this guy was a real man before he was a good looking uh you know handsome happy guy and i thought that flashback was really great i'm really pleased there was a little bit of a discussion if it should be in the film or not and for the longest time it wasn't and then, luckily, in the end, it was put back in. That is a still shot that I took of a location Correct. that they animated and made into a location. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> I really enjoy this. There's a Dave Crone doing a Steadicam magic. He's really great with Steadicam, isn't he? Yes, he is. And then Andrew kind of built this room. It didn't exist in Correct. this hallway. This is a water processing facility. Yeah, and wasn't it like one of those bizarre locations where you had to have, like, oh, you you couldn't have a criminal record. That's correct. Right? Stuff like that. So half of our crew couldn't come in. A all large of a sudden, part of the crew, yes. All of a sudden, you had all these people who wouldn't be there. And, you know, oh, frankly, I don't want to be there. I don't think they let Andrew in. I'm not sure why, but uh, <laughs> he kept saying an indictment is not a conviction. And then, <laughs> That is not true. Steve is being <laughs> is being a joker. Poor Andrew. Um, but there were a few people missing. And then later I was like, where is this one? Where is this one? And later on I was um, explained that a couple of people had had a few kind of spots in their past. Oh, my, you great. know my favorite. This is yeah. this this gentleman <laughs> right here. He's not an actor, the doctor. He's a stuntman, and so this is why he won't be mad if I mention the story. But for the first three, four takes um, that we did this, he kept smiling, and I thought, no, you have a criminal behind you with a with a gun, Jigsaw. He's kidnapped you. You're not smiling, and then all of a sudden the door opened, and he made this face like this face of fear that was so overacted that i literally dropped off my chair laughing yeah, tears and everybody it was a great moment had to be there but blooper rule right. blooper uh, real yeah, correct correct now doug hutchison is a genius he truly truly is um i wanted to work with doug i followed his career forever and um, I wanted to work with him forever. And he passed on this role at first. And then I called him up and told him, you know, for an hour why he couldn't pass. And and I told him, I said, look, I'm thinking something special for this character. I think it's like, you know, Hannibal Lecter on speed. And he took it and he went there. And all of this stuff, this whole like yummy, yummy, yummy in my time in town, that's all him. He brought everything to this part. I think he's a genius. I really didn't have that much uh, contact with him on set because he was so into character. When I was flying um, back from Montreal to Los Angeles, uh, he was in the seat in the plane next to me. And for a few minutes, I was terrified. I didn't know if he was going to eat my liver, but 
Then he uh, he opened up, and he's what a, what a wonderful guy. You he's know? a total gentle guy who yeah. I, he teaches acting, and he teaches like something called the art of stillness, and it cracks me up. But he can go anywhere. I mean, see, I also think he can do a lot of other parts, and uh, not always the evil guy. But of course, you know, he's so good at it that that's what he's getting right now. It was actually fall when we started this movie. It was not in the middle of winter, when, like when we ended, and. Those are actual leaves falling. Correct. And it was raining. Which you can actually hear on the soundtrack. I remember the people on that street weren't too happy we were there. It's a pretty big show coming in there. Nice. I love this here because, um, you know, the script said, she's the girl says, you're in my light. And then he steps out of her light. And I didn't really know how you're going to do that. But that worked perfectly, didn't it? It did. We fooled him again. For the next time someone gets in your life. She's a great girl. Stephanie. Adorable. Way beyond her e years. Mom, that's a dad. Julie. Go inside, Grace. Wow. She's a hottie. <laughs> well, I'm not going to call her a hottie. I call, <laughs> I'm going to call her a great actress. She's a great, great sport and... You know, I'm always, oddly enough, I'm always more nervous working with female, you, you know, actors because I always think, think they, you what you read, and they're going to be more dramatic. And you never heard truly complain. You never heard anything from her. She just came and did her job. And, and I thought that scene worked out really well. What's this? She's a pro. She, Dexter, mm. she's fabulous on that. And no. no, you don't get to do that. Very pleasant to photograph. And, you know, I mean, it was cold, and these actors didn't always have... You know, we were standing there in our Canadian goose jackets, and these these actors didn't, I mean, look at her wardrobe, you know? And, you know, people forget you have to do the scene a few times, and you have to rehearse, and you have to figure it out, and, you know... change the lighting, and... Correct, and, you, you know, I mean, people come running with a big jacket, but essentially you're going to freeze your butt off, and... Um, there are some that are pros about it and some that are not, and we got really lucky, I think. I agree with that. I think we complained more than they did. I know. I know I did. <laughs> you did that. I'm freezing. Squeeze. Now, let's just say something about Montreal, though. Isn't Montreal a fantastic city? Oh, yeah, I love it. It's so beautiful. Well, I remember we arrived in summer, and mm -hmm. I said I want to move here because I feel it has the best of North America and the best of Europe. It really is. It's like mixing Europe and North America and taking... And then people said there, all those crew members we had, we, local ones, they said, no, nah, no, nah, you're going to change your mind in winter. I'm like, I will never change my mind. I will move here and I will forever live here. And then winter came and I was like, okay, I'm never going to live here. <laughs> Unless you live underground. You know, remember the, the malls? Oh, yeah. The underground but malls? I didn't... See, I, I, I wasn't digging those underground malls. I got a little bit claustrophobic there. It was like this weird underground world I didn't dig. <laughs> I had this, you know, vision of an earthquake and we're all going to be buried there. It's a little scene with the, with the flashlight. It made me laugh because some people didn't get that. And, uh, you know, we were kind of impatient in the editing room, turning around to people and saying, he gave her a flashlight. She's giving him a sign. <laughs> How difficult is it? Dog shot. <laughs> Long stock shot. I love this shot too. 
isn't yours. Not yet. Old Cesare used to run it to screw hocus. Was I talking about Mark Camacho yet? I don't think so. Who plays Pizzi? Now's a good time. Yeah. Well, Mark Camacho plays Pizzi. Here he comes first in front of Chixa and Ink's father, Karam's father, and um, local Montreal actor. I love him. He's another one I absolutely adore and love. What's the matter, Billy? I think I have to say that maybe that was one of my favorite things about this movie is that we just got, we had just, between crew and cast of what we had out there, um, it was just amazing, I thought. Had to fire a few people in the beginning, but then. <laughs> Great um, lobby Andrew found for us. It's funny, Andrew is a, you know, he's a true artist. Andrew Nesgromny, our production designer, great artist, and um, also, though, a real perfectionist. And um, that didn't always make everybody happy, including my buddy Steve here. <laughs> oh, I love him to death. Are you kidding me? It's well, just the late-night scouts that he wants to do at, <laughs> at midnight. Come yeah. on, man, well, I no, found also, a bank. Let's go The thing about it. it is, okay, well, our first AD, you know, uh, was annoyed by it once in a while because he, <laughs> you know, Andrew, Andrew is there to basically make my vision come true, much like what, what you're doing. And, um, and you know, he's going to try to find the thing that I described and the best looking, you know, and um, he found it there. But it's not always easy, you no, know. No, it was... It's not always easy locations to be in, but, I mean, I I adore him um, for that, you know. I love him to death. Yeah, we got to reunite at some point. All of us. Love that car. What a great car that was, huh? Mm. Can you talk about the uh, plastic New York, maybe for a second. We got. I think we got to talk about the red blaze here. Probably. <laughs> well, but we should bring we'll plastic New York yeah. up, man. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, obviously, yet again, another great color scheme, color design. Both Andrew and Steve did a great job here in terms of the look of this film, and did exactly what I've asked them to do. And uh, I. You know, I get a lot of fan mail right now about this film. There's there's people, uh, despite it's, uh, you know, it didn't do so well at the box office, there's people who absolutely obsessively adore this film. And this is a scene they always mention in the letter of how much it looked like in the comic book. And I always said, I don't know if the comic book um, has three colors in each frame because it's cheaper to print or if that's purposely a look. I never found this out to today. But the point was we wanted to emulate it. And this was one of those scenes where we really achieved it. You know, it was the red room and the guys wore black and there's nobody sitting there with a green shirt that stands out. It just has a very specific look to it. Or that as well, once again. An amazing job. I think Doug is really brilliant here. I love his laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love that Mexican standoff. I like the weird, the, you know, they showed it on the internet and there were just fingers. Because right, because they they're not guns, yeah, right? they're not allowed to show guns. It's some weird rules. Who knows? Were those actual fingers, or did they Photoshop fingers in? I think they yeah, did, right? Maybe we didn't shoot. Look, it look at this. Guns. Did you see him look like that on the on the on oh, his yeah. hands? Oh, he's a he's a stain sealer. There's no doubt about that. Oh yeah, dark absolutely. Oh yeah, <laughs> dark water man. 
And uh, David Vadim right here as um, Christou Boulard. The Russians play heavily in a lot of the, the Punisher. Right. It has to be 12 million. We agree on you know, Dominic did a great job um, where he brought this character. And, uh, you know, let's just be straight about this. You know, I was very clear about making a very over-the-top, campy, let's go out there, let's be like the comic book kind of movie. Um, I think we were compared to some of the bigger comic book movies of that year, which wasn't what we were going for. And he often, Dominic often questioned, are you sure you want me to go that far? And, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think he could have definitely understated this part much more, but I wanted him to go over the top because, you know, let's be honest, is a dude in New York with horse hide in his face. That's over the top. How how serious can you actually play that part? And, um, and it was a choice, you know, you got to make choices. You have to have a vision and have to make choices. And some people didn't like it. Some people, I think, wanted him to be more like the, uh, you know, another famous comic book character with a mask. Yeah. And um, and that was just not what we did. But I, I also, you know, get a lot of comments about the fact that people really got what we were trying to do and, you know, bring like the good old action movies from the 80s back a little bit and just really go there. This is another practical location. Correct. Very high up. I don't even remember where that thing was. Where was it? Remember those two rotted old buildings that. Oh, I know. Now I suddenly flash back. Condemned apartment buildings, and you know, throughout the movie, because I used an excessive amount of backlight in this, it I used smoke in order to help show that backlight a great deal. I think Wayne had a little bit of allergy or something to the smoke, and. We really pumped it in here, and you can see it there. You see the light <laughs> right. coming through. You see the little fingers of, of light coming through. There's so much smoke in there, and uh, the, the joke got to be: I would I would look at Wayne. I'd go, "Hey, how's the smoke, Wayne?" <laughs> There's a smoke machine right next to him. I couldn't even see him. It's just billowing <laughs> up around him. He's like, <laughs> "I love Wayne." He's, yeah, but he didn't complain, did he? Oh no, no, yeah, he, yeah, he, he's a good guy. No, he's great. He knew what I was going for. Yeah. As long as she's got her cooking shows. Uh, yeah, I adore him. You know, he came in to read, which is an amazing thing anyway. Once again, that shows you what a proper actor is, because a lot of the English actors that I worked with on my previous film were like that. Like, they never understood why actors don't come in and read. You know, they a lot of British actors take it like if they would have any other working class job. And they, they say, these Hollywood meetings, why do you want me to sit down with you at, you know, at some fancy restaurant and chat with you? I'm an actor. I read for you. I come in, I read, I go home. And, I, and, you know, Wayne has a lot of that proper actor thing, like, I'm not here to have lunch with you. I want to come in and read for this part, and if I'm the right person, you hire me, and if I'm not, you don't, you know? And so, of course, me, I, you know, I was like, oh, my God, Wayne Knight is coming in to read. I can't believe he's reading. And, of course, he was, you know, phenomenal in the audition, and I was very pleased that he wanted to do this with us. You don't think he's going to go for revenge? It's not a question of if, it's a matter of when. And I love Carlos as well. Carlos, whose real name is Carlos. Pull a couple of Berettas. For what? Three, two. And I don't know when one. we came up with that that uh, weapons thing. 
But I thought Andrew did a good job there as well. The drop down thing, yeah, it's yeah pretty cool. the whole the, like, basically in the other side of the apartment is the mother who lives in this, you know, like sweet little apartment, and yet it's he's he's got like a, a weapons arsenal in there. That is such a small space that we photographed this in too. You have to imagine that is a small, small one-bedroom apartment. Oh my God! And we've got just... 40 people in that room. You know who you're not seeing are the makeup people and the sound people and the camera, two cameras, myself, Lexi, uh, the monitors, first AD, the, all and, the monitors, oh, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. lights. Uh... Yeah, you know, existing locations are really challenging. Hey, it's my birthday. Correct. That was your birthday, wasn't it? And Gail Ann Hurd's birthday as well. What do you know? Oh, this is uh, the bar, which also was a, an existing location. We uh, we were striving to do red, green, and yellow here, I think, primarily? Correct, yeah. correct. Lots of uh, neon lights. Again, you know, there there's a series in the Max Punisher series called Kitchen Irish, which um, Andrew completely imitated the look of. So you see that little... Um, Clover, clover leaf, is that mm -hmm. what it's called? Yeah, and uh, all of that is out of the comic book. I'm not the luckiest guy. I th I love that shot. I don't know when we did the shot. I can't even remember it, but I remember seeing it in the editing room, going, "Oh my god, this is great." You know, that was on my birthday as well. Right. We partied it correct afterward. All night we partied, <laughs> and we still worked on time. Let's go through the back door. Raining once again. This was again Kitchen Irish. Um, yeah, see outside of that very far. Complete shot out of the comic book right here as well. And that was a real Irish bar, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Mm. And also, like here, we had Ray a lot in the corner of the frame with um, his colors next to him out of the comic book. This is um, right there in the market. That was uh, Vancouver. Correct, that is actually in Vancouver. It's a funny story in that market, by the way. Um, I We had all a whole new crew because this was reshots. And I walked into the market that was obviously our props and our set design. And um, I took a couple of uh, really? chocolate bars, which were props, but I took them anyway. And this PA ran after me and said, you bring this back, you're not allowed to dig. <laughs> he didn't know I was the director. And he, he felt he was fired immediately. I've seen that in your writer, you're allowed two chocolate bars a day. <laughs> I know. He was very cute, though. He, he really almost peed his pants when he found out he was yelling at the director. Here's a pivotal that... moment in the, in the film. Correct. Now, I've heard from all over... America that this was a big big laugh out moment in the movie theater I get a lot of mail about it and I just want to give you a shout out to all of those people who wrote me about it it was supposed to be a big laugh out moment we're glad it worked out obviously we were aware of the fact that the parkour guys are in every film we were also sick of them so you know I came up with the idea of hey what would the Punisher do the Punisher would blow them apart in midair it's also something that Morty's electronics sign uh, in the previous shot. Uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I no, asked I remember the you came up with it. turn off the Y and S, so it said Morta. Morta, right? which means death, correct. Hey, what do you know? Yeah. On the fly. TJ. You know, McGindy, you know, he has an Irish accent. You know, I, I think at this point I should bring up that 
source. I wished a lot of critics would have picked up in research the source material because a lot of people were confused by about why a black guy with dreadlocks had an Irish accent. And they wrote about it too. And I tell you why, because in the comic book it's like that. There's a you know black guy with dreadlocks who has an Irish accent and um, there's also one issue that explains that he doesn't have a proper Irish accent, that he just pretends to be. Um, so, you know, I think that's the risk you take when you go completely for source material because the people who don't pick it up, of course, think you went out of your mind. <laughs> Here, once again, like, there's this funny review I wrote that somebody emailed me where some woman said that Lexi Alexander has a violent fantasy that she, she, she should go to prison for. <laughs> Now, I actually thought that was a great compliment, but here's the truth. I did not come up with this right here, okay? With this whole, like, on the fence and stamping his face, again, that's out of the comic book, directly you came up with taken. that shot, though. I did come up with that shot, that's correct. That was my uh, homage to Reservoir Dogs. It was fun. I think I made the crew work overtime there, and they weren't too happy about it. And it was a funny thing because once they saw the shot, everybody kind of forgave me for it. All right, let's talk about this location and my love for it. We had a fight in there, Steve. Do you remember that? Uh, no. I yes, only remember I do. good times. And with I, you. Will I will tell people all about it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you tell them that. <laughs> well, this was all fine still. Again, an existing location. It was actually next door. It was also an abandoned apartment complex, and it was right next door to. Uh, the the micro's place where apartment, we found yeah. Micro's apartment. And, you know, I mean, it had to be painted. This, these were all, you know, old buildings that nobody's been in there forever. Now, we have to talk about the alley because we cut there now. Oh, yeah. The skull, um, especially. Volga and all of that stuff, all of that neon stuff taken directly from the comic book. Uh, pun Real Punisher fans will know exactly. They immediately picked it up that this was all an actual frame taken from the comic book. And then I've talked about this a lot before. There is a skull in there in the background. We see it right here behind behind Ray. Um, I don't know if we have another shot going down this yeah, way. Yeah, when he cuffs him, you see it. All right, right. No, here we don't see it. You see it when he cuffs him really well. Right. Um, anyway, there is a skull in the background. And none of us had planned that. It was a complete, I mean, I don't think there are coincidences. I think it, right back there, right right behind Ray, that skull in the background, that was a coincidence. Yeah, it's it's an 18K HMI uh, blasting through that building from the opposite street, and then there's a chandelier that's hanging down in that archway that it makes the teeth of the, uh, or the nose and the teeth of the skull. I thought for the longest time you guys were pulling my leg, that you blanded and uh, you were just pretending that it, it was an accident you know but it, it is an accident because it was one of those very last minute lighting tweaks mm -hmm. where i had them tilt the light up to go up into those upper windows there it is yeah and I, I was standing to the corner to the side of it so i couldn't see the way that the skull lined up i just saw that it lit the top window i had no idea We had a great crew in Montreal, I have to say. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah, there. really. Love my key crib too, Michelle. Oh, he's fabulous. Good guy. Yeah, here comes the cops. 
I got a little bit of uh, heat from some of my friends who are cops or former law enforcement said, you know, you made us look really dumb in there. And I said, well, some of you really are, but (laughs) it's also a comic book movie. You know, of course, sometimes you have to take a little bit of, you know, poetic liberty here, you know. Um, Would they just go and follow him like that or would they go ahead of him? Probably not, but it, it was necessary for this scene. Also, you know, I mean, look, this whole film was, you know, far-fetched and and some people call it campy. I'm not sure if that's the right word. I never quite understood that word. But it was definitely supposed to be fun. It was like laugh out loud, have a good time in an action film. You know, just take it to as far as you could go. Ink, you know, Karim here had a great idea for a line. Um, because obviously he studied all about the character of Ing, and the line was, um, so the sword is mightier than the pen, because the story about Ink is that he killed his first victim with a pen, and that's why they call him Ink, not because of tattoos. But um, I wasn't allowed to keep that line in there. Maybe it'll be in the director's cut, which will be the next DVD you'll be buying. One of the reasons that I really, really didn't like this location (laughs) was the yellow. Nothing against Andrew, but we had the yellow light outside, and then we had yellow walls on the inside. Mm. You know, those are some of the details that I think you see more than I see. Okay. I was upset because they put the special effects, um, uh, what do you call it? Breakaway. The breakaway stuff in the wrong location. I told them to put them in one thing, and they put them in the complete opposite. I... I remember that. I love this shot of Frank in the back. Yeah. Well, once again, I think there's a lot of uh, frames and drawings in the comic book where, you know, Frank sits in the car just like that. And the whole idea is that he's almost too too big for every car. And we imitated that, um, you know, just as if it was a drawing. It was a bit exciting also as we were going along to see Ray starting to get really excited about what we were doing too, you know? Correct. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he got it right away from the beginning. This was, uh, you know, one of my favorite scenes where we come to find out that Soap is actually not that stupid and that Soap is uh, actually in kibbutz with the Punisher. Now, he had a couple of other lines in there that... Um, again, I, I didn't get to keep in because you got a compromise and, you know, they wanted a shorter cut. You know, I um, I wished we could have kept that one in. It was, you know, he was arguing with him about not letting him go and said, you know how I look? I look like an idiot and in my social environment you don't understand because you don't have a social environment or something like that. It was very funny, but had to go. I kind of let them do what they wanted to do up there. Um, now, this was not directed and planned. We, he just asked, Dominic said, can I destroy everything? And I said, yes. It scared the hell out of me when he threw the television. Oh, yeah, I was scared about the hell out of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, he's a proper actor, too. He's, <laughs> he went there. I love the doll part. With um, If you look closely, one of, one of the special effects uh, devices in the dolls actually didn't. catches on fire, though. Oh, yeah, right. That's correct. And one didn't go, and we right. actually fixed that in visual effects. He's got a great look, Karim, doesn't he? Yeah, he's very unique-looking individual, very yeah, talented. I, you know what? 
I really, really um, cast him for that. He did a good reading, but when I saw him on the videotape, I thought, God, he looks so interesting. And this is one of my favorite scenes because, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you understand the essence of the Punisher, that's it. And it's far-fetched and it's, you know, it is how it is. I mean, he just mows all over people, you know. Poor Karen, though. It took him almost a week to recover from that. He was in horrible <laughs> it, shape. It was a doll. Don't believe a word he said. <laughs> yeah. And again here, I, I actually, you know, this one was the biggest laugh next to the Grenadier. There was the biggest laugh in, in the movie that it got. And um, just so everybody knows, the Punisher, the girl actually is not the real girl over his shoulder. It's a doll. Um, so she wasn't there when this um, was shot. But um, in any case, it is something that the Punisher would do, you know. Give me your fucking gun. I love that. Dash is, you know, that he can do anything. This is where we had to fight. Do you remember that? Okay, so a little backstory. My Eames, my uh, my gaffer, he got very ill a few days before oh, this, right. and and I lost him. And my dolly grip became very ill on on this set and right, correct. fell out on the floor. We thought he had a heart attack. So I was working with my best boy as my gaffer, and someone else as my dolly grip, and uh, I was under great duress, and we were in cramped spaces, and they said, you got to go. Don't worry about how it is. We just got to go. And no one wants to hear that. But, you know, it's okay. <laughs> no one no one has come up to me and said, you know that damn yellow scene is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. So. Well, you just like Andrew. You're perfectionist in what you do. That's why this movie looks as great as it does, and you know, in all Thank aspects. You. And, of course, you know, me, I get everybody coming to me. Every actor wants another take. You know, every sometimes the DP wants another take, and the, the annoying first AD wants to move on. <laughs> and I think as a director, you just have to keep an overall uh, vision of what is important. Do we need to move on or do we need to do another take you know and you know i i asked another director friend of mine if he's ever gotten through a movie being popular with everybody and he said it's impossible you just can't because you have to make so many decisions and say no or yes so many times and it's just by default you can't do it but i think we you and i i mean we're like brother and sister oh, we yeah. laughed about it a second later oh yeah i did forget that Eames was actually out Oh, yeah. A lot of people got sick. Like, I mean, we joke about it now, but this, I'm not joking now. This was brutal, you know. Um, it was, it, our key crib was, Michelle, yeah. he's like a six foot five man, 200 pounds. I mean, he's a proper, proper guy. And he was out for a week. He tried to come back um, to work and he like passed out or started puking or something. I had to go back down for another week. I mean, people got seriously sick. I was seriously sick. Key Gaffa was out. I mean, people dropped like flies. We actually made a joke about that, jokes about that. We said people are dropping like flies on the set. Mm -hmm. It was definitely brutal. You know, I think that's, you know, why I really wanted to do this. You know, I wanted this film to do well because people gave a lot for it. You know, like people... Here's the world's smallest uh, jib arm. <clears throat> I ordered a jib arm for this overhead shot, and they delivered a 10-foot jib arm to the set. <laughs> Woo! So uh, my, a big overhead shot, uh, we had to crunch all the vehicles close together, and everybody, whoop, you step to the left a foot? Okay, you're in the frame. Good. This right here is uh, this whole, like, looking to his brother and rolling his eyes and them laughing. You know, 
basically that that was after the scene this was kind of their improvisation and i kept it in because i thought it was hilarious but that was just you know them screwing around Dominic's really fantastic, you know. I, I kept teasing him because I actually love the movie Rockstar, mm -hmm. that he was the bass player for the band in. Oh, correct. You remember that? And yeah. I, I kept harassing him about it. He's like, I didn't know anyone loved that movie. I'm like, oh, it's great. Yeah. So I'm a, you know, sad, failed rocker myself. So. Wow, here's one of my uh, favorite shots of your, of your artwork, the uh, famous mirror shot where we see his face. I mean, the whole thing about, you know, Chiksa was that his face was shattered and that his brother, out of love to him, promised him that he'll never have to see his image again. So this is this truly, and, you know, I can say that pretty much everybody loved that shot in the mirror. Then I'm a patriot, just like you. <laughs> you know, here's an interesting backstory. In this speech um, that he's giving right here, um, Chiksa actually says, you're going to have to explain Wolf, no, who was it? Uh, Tim fucking Russet. Right. How you knew this about the war. And then I'm in the editing room and I hear Tim Russet passed away. So now, I mean, obviously I didn't want it now anymore. So we had to come up with a different name to basically ADR over it, you know, but it also had to be something that fit his lips. So... Somehow we had a list and we tried one name after another and then Wolf fucking Blitzer, you know, matched. But it was an interesting kind of thing to go through. Love that shot. Oh, and Miller. It's just one other little thing. I think that was kind of like... Um, the last days, you know, we shot in there, like the last days of our entire shoot, huh? Yes, it was. That was a nice little touch right there through the, I don't know what you shot that through. Uh, that's but... one of my favorite shots in the film, actually, with all that foreground going on. That's... Mm -hmm. Love foreground. You know, that really, I mean, that was a great location. That's a stock shot right there. Yes. <laughs> Though we colored it uh, in the DI to try and make it match yeah. as much as possible. I, you know, we never talked about the exterior of the Rosaldi, Rosaldi factory. It actually looked pretty cool, I thought. It came out really great. There was uh, something like, for those of you who are cinematography-oriented, uh, there's something like 25 maxi-brutes hitting the windows and uh, somewhere around uh, 16 uh, large HMIs and xenon lights. <laughs> painting the outside of it. And for those of you who are not cinematography oriented, I don't know what that means either. A hell Just of a, hell FYI. Of, a hell of a lot of lights out there. Every light we had, especially in this, the black helicopter, who knew? Oh my God, Steve, do you remember? Do you remember the battle it was to get that damn helicopter? Yeah. It's, well, first oh, of yeah, all, yeah, 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 yeah. he had to land in an area that was just within the minimum of the rotors. I mean, just legal that he could land in. So, uh, but not only that, they cost a lot of money and, you know, sometimes, you know, people, you know, the, the director sometimes doesn't necessarily agree with the producers. They have to protect the money. I have to protect the shoot. So 
you know, they it it becomes like a battle of what is more important, you know, and that was really important. I kept saying every day I kept going to the to the office saying helicopter, helicopter, I need a helicopter. And it's only in for two seconds, but it just makes the film bigger, you know, it just does. People don't just drop in on bicycles when they're from home security, you know. <laughs> Of course, they took our rental cars away for the rest of the shoot. But... <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? They took our food away. Suddenly, craft service looked very <laughs> rare. It used to be carrots and celery. Then it became celery only, and then it was only the dip. This one came with cheese. best one to get. Not exactly a balanced Well, you know what? I haven't really talked about Ray much, have I? No. You know, there's so much to say about him, but, um, you know, I think he really, really embraced and embodied this character uh, like no other actor ever would. Uh, he he read so much about this character. I mean, he read more comic books than I did, and I read a lot. But, um, you know, some of the best lines in this movie are from him, that he's written himself and came to me and said, well, can I say this and can I say this? And he had them, a lot of them he had directly from the comic book. And, um, you know, he, he, he was really very serious. You know, he, he's not necessarily somebody who jokes around on set. And, uh, you know, he's not somebody you know, that makes sure that the crew is entertained. And I have to say, I have a lot of respect for that. I've worked with actors before that it's important to them to play the class clown and the crew laughs about the jokes. And that's not him. Like, he's there to do a job. And he's very intense and very serious. And, and I like that. These guys on the other <laughs> Oh, my goodness gracious. He wanted to have Rob Zombie playing there. Oh, I need Rob Zombie for this scene. I, need, I said, I don't fucking want Rob Zombie, okay? And he wanted Rob Zombie. What does the music department in the end put over this but Rob Zombie? He was laughing about me. He was like, he's like, did you put it out there? I'm like, no. I was fighting against it then, and I was fighting against it now. Offer 100 grand towards a college education I'll never get. Promise nobody ever has to go to Iraq. That was my little... Liberal knot right there that went over everybody's head, which I was surprised. Well, I was glad it went over most of the executives' head because I thought they would cut it out for sure. <laughs> you know, we had Wayne laying around and sitting around in positions for a very long time. Uh, mm. That one wasn't so bad, but in the finale, we'll point out. Yeah. For days. Oh, look at that gun. That's the big 500. Or is it a 450 or 500? J we need JB right now. Smith and Wesson, right? You Model know what? I think I I went shooting with him the other day, and we shot a 500. And he explained to me that the one in the movie was actually not a 500. Oh, okay. I, I think it must have been like a 450 or something. That it was just I don't know, whatever. You know him and the guns. It's like, it's like you know what he reminds me of sometimes. Jonathan Barton, our tech advisor, reminds me of that guy in Forrest Gump that talks about shrimp all right. the time, <laughs> except he talks about Bubba Gump, Magnum, Barrett, Magnum 500, Magnum. 450. <laughs> but he's great. We could have not done it without him. That spinning shot that you just saw, I tried hand-holding that several times to spin around and end on uh, Doug when he said, boo, remember? Right. And I kept ending up like pointing at the monitors. Or <laughs> when you spin around three or four times with a 60-pound camera, you try and end up on a little guy going, boo. It's pretty tough. 
<laughs> he, um, Doc, once again, uh, you know, he came in with the improvisation of, uh, uh, you know, this whole, like, I asked you a question, that was all him. I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, when actors bring something to the point, you know, bring something to it, I'm, I'm not one that says we have to go by script, like, you know, improvise and, you know, add as much as you want. This is the famous uh, Finale Hotel. But we also wanted to talk a little bit about Plastic New York. Oh, yeah. You're going to see some of that in the background. Especially when... I think we just did, like when he was crossing the street. Or mm -hmm. Are we seeing something later? Yeah, you're going to see it when they're, uh, when they're all lined up. Now, <laughs> this shot and the one before where he's stopping, where we just... He, you know, a lot of that, those are great stylized shots and everybody loved them. But the truth is... A lot of them were done on the fly because we didn't have any more time, you know? Where are they? Oh my God, I have to say. Remember, he, that poor guy, Carlos, he had to lay in there. I mean, I've already spoken 10 times about how cold this place was. So he had to lay there for hours with half of his body under the stone, right? Because right. it was supposed to be cut off. Man, I tell you right now, this guy never complained. I mean, you know, John uh, McEwen, our first AD, you know, came to me several times and said, I'm really concerned. Like, this kid's been sitting there for a long time on the stone crown with half of his body. And he, and he never complained. And we forever remember that, that. And he's wet from all that fake blood and stuff, too. Correct. I mean, this, if you could imagine the worst you know, atmosphere to be in, in that location. It was what he was going through. Never, never once complained about it. Ah! Let's talk about Eames. <laughs> Let's talk about our, our gaffer and the magnificent job. We have job. to do the, the music. Ah! <laughs> there you go. That was our music for a great location. This uh, turned out to be one of the more beautiful scenes of the film. And frankly, it was one of the more comfortable scenes of the film because we were actually inside. Correct. Also, though, it was not sure if we were shooting that scene. Oh, yeah. I, I, once again, I have to give a shout out to my buddy Mike Pasanak over at Lionsgate, who I kept calling him every day. I said, I need this scene. I need this scene. It wasn't in the script because we didn't have the money for it. And, you know, he came through and he said, you know what? She's right. We need that scene. And I then said to Steve, I wanted to look, I think I wanted to look like in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. I wanted to have a real, like, um, surreal look to it as if it would be in the comic book there's actually a series about castle and a priest but man what you guys did there i i i was just in awe there's three uh three large balloons inside and there's a two seven k xenons hitting a four foot diameter mirror ball which is what creates all the highlights on the walls mm -hmm. uh hundreds and upon hundreds of candles in different colored votives uh dozens of kino flow fluorescent lights with uh, the colored uh, tubes. Uh, that's a xenon light that's crossing the frame right there. Uh, and also those uh, statues that you see. I said to Andrew right there, you see statues. I said to Andrew, I need plastic statues that are lit up. You see them in Mexico sometimes. They try to sell them to you. You know, it wasn't that easy. He looked everywhere. In the end, I think he created them himself. If I remember right, I could watch this over and over again just because of the way it looks. I really do. I... Dave Crone helped a lot with that particular shot of, of Ray as well. 
sliding things around. We, we all, it was a rush to get all of this, you know, it's one day. We were in this place one day, so right. it was a rush. It's the best day we had. I remember, Lexi, I remember you running around with all the candles in the background. You were <laughs> rushing back there and moving candles and running back to the monitor, rushing back. It was just, it was a group effort, you know? Well, I think we didn't quite plan on shooting certain angles. And then when we did shoot, it was, I think, more angles than we, we basically planned for. And when that happened, I kept just moving neon signs and moving and you know when the director starts moving things everybody's gonna have a has a heart attack because they all think they're not doing their job right and plus they all think i'm gonna fall and break my neck <laughs> but i kept moving things from one side to the other and i i'm so glad i did that i'm so glad you guys managed to get this i couldn't have described it better like you know it's so hard sometimes for a director to explain to people what's in your head and then Look at this. It's just beautiful. And then your your crew actually delivers something to you that's better than anything you could have ever imagined. Yeah, Eames is uh, an extraordinarily talented gaffer. Yeah. Now, this is what I call the recruiting scene. And um, it is a spoof, actually. I wrote this entire recruitment scene uh, in as a spoof of uh, Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9-11 um, you know, when the two guys go recruiting to all the high schools uh, and basically tell these high school kids that they can get everything if they just, you know, go join the army. So this was my spoof of it. Now, people have pointed out how great it is that they're in front of the American flag. That was never planned this way. It was supposed to be they were in all those different locations. Once again, we didn't have the money for all those different locations. So I kept thinking and thinking. They asked me to cut this. I said, we can't cut this. It's a recruiting thing. It's going to be great. So what I ended up coming up with is it's all basically in the same room, except of the color and the state, the, the furniture changes and the people change, but they will always stand in front of background. And that probably saved us, what, 50,000, 100,000? It was the only way to get this done. But, you know, people think there was this great big genius idea behind it when really it was just being There's your plastic cheap. New York. Oh, now I know what you're talking about. You mean... The exhaust pipe. All right. Yeah, yeah. So during prep, we had one weekend off, which was the Canadian Thanksgiving. And I went to New York to visit, visit a friend of mine, New York, very close to Montreal. And I saw these things in the street um, that they have everywhere, which they in New York call Plastic New York. And um, I took a picture of it, and they're orange in New York. I took a picture of it, showed you guys, showed Andrew, my production designer, I said, we need this, but ours have to have different colors, and we need them everywhere. And, and uh, we did. We had them everywhere. I, it looked great. Effects had the uh, smokers in them at all times. Yeah. You know, one thing, you know, the effects guys there, uh, the, all the background smoke and fog and stuff that we needed, it was constantly there. It's really well done. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of smoke. Here, yeah, smoke, correct. smoke. Look at there. Smoke. I'm glad I went that weekend to New York. I mean, it basically, I got that out of it, the plastic New York idea and $5,000 credit card. Yeah, I, got, I, I was going to say, I got a really nice jacket out of it. Thank you very much. Ay, ay, ay. New York breaks your bank, man. <laughs> I'm never going there again. Come on now. <laughs> Let's go this weekend. But hey, plastic New York was great. Yeah. Uh, this uh, also came out of, this was planned somewhere else, and this whole them running into each other was also out of necessity, it turned out great. We just didn't have time for more than a walk and talk 
hand. Uh, what was it? Was that Steadicam? That was, that was Steadicam. Steadicam yeah. shot. Yeah. That was another Eames genius right there. That flickering light behind oh, yeah. there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, the Russian center. Those were all real Russians. It was amazing. Like I mean, it really was like it was the Russian, uh, you know, uh, recreation center. All of them were talking and you know. Drinking, I think. Probably yeah. drank their own real vodka too. I wouldn't doubt it. Ah, I love this guy's face. He pulled a gun on me after we shot, actually. No, you lie. Okay. <laughs> Thought he did. You know, Dash did a lot of improvising here that I actually would have loved to see. Oh, we got to talk about the flair. <laughs> um, but um, it, it's not in there. Maybe it'll be on a blooper reel or something like that. But he did a lot of, like, you know, acting as if he was, you know, peeing his pants in the back there because of all the Russians. Obert was his name. Obert Palacio was Tiberio's name. Great face, great actor. Second unit? Yes. Great stuff. Great stuff there. The, all the gang stuff. Readying the hotel for mayhem. Mayhem, um. I don't know how this idea actually developed that it should be all in one hotel. Um, it was those great writers, uh, Holloway, Markham Holloway, who wrote this first. Um, which I thought was a great idea because we hadn't seen it. Like, you know, you end up, what is your climax action scene? And you start trying to figure out. And I thought that was something really new. Oh, boy. That cost us a lot of money. The depth? That, was, yeah. that didn't make producers happy, the whole looking down the street. I think you have to explain to people what it means to look down the street. In order to light, uh, these are very large blocks. I mean, we'll talk about lighting. This has an incredible amount of lighting coming in through those windows in order to light. So 99.9% of the light in that room is coming through the windows. Um, but in order to see several blocks down the street and illuminate it properly, it takes a great deal of light. And, uh, you know... It was a, a bit of a easy, bit of a wrestling match to get all of that. And Le- Lexi and Mike Pasternak backed me 100%, gave me the tools that I needed to uh, deliver. Well, it was easy for me. I didn't have to write the checks. Yeah, well, Mike. <laughs> a little hard for Mike, but, uh, you know. He really came through for me. Yeah. There was a point where he stopped yeah, he, me in the hallway. You know what? He is, you know? um, he's a filmmaker kind of guy. You know, he really, truly is. He gets a filmmaker. He gets it. There's a point where he stopped me in the hallway and he goes, all right, you're getting all the lighting you want. Oh, did he? he I never knew that. I became very nervous when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember him coming to my office. Can you really promise me you can make all of your days? That's why I started yelling at everybody on the first day. We need to make our days. I promised. <laughs> I think we did, too. Well, you kind of feel like a Boy Scout or Girl Scout who gave an honorable promise and signed it with blood when he talks to you, you know? <laughs> I think the only day that we didn't do 100% of what was on the call sheet was when we got the blizzard. Yeah. You know, and what are you going to do? You know what I have to say? Come on, we, we, we got through this incredibly well. Also because, you know, all the actors were prepared. They all helped out. I told them, come on set, prepare. Don't fuck around with me. Don't start discussing things. Most of them stuck to it. There's an example of seeing down the street. I mean, look how small the trucks are in the distance. Mm-hmm. That's uh, at least three blocks. Love that scene. Thanks, Frank. 
You know he's gonna take it out on me when he wakes up. You don't hear gunfire. You know, Dash ended up that that detective soap character became incredibly popular, like during the screenings. Did you get that? Like mm -hmm. he, he was really, really uh, uh, like a, f a kind of audience favorite. I've noticed. The Shafanet, one of my stunt coordinators, is one of the Russian gang members um, who's gonna now get shot. And I think he threw out that. There he is, the little guy with the hat on. There, right here. <laughs> uh, it's a great story about Shafanet because I actually met him when I was 15. He's a world karate champion, and I used to follow him when I was still doing karate, going around everywhere. He gave a seminar in a tournament. I was a stalker fan. <laughs> and then I come to Montreal, and it turns out he's a stunt choreographer, so I hired him. Um, great guy. He got shot about 10 times in that hotel, always disguised as somebody else. Okay, you need to mention Pat as well, huh? Well, Pat, when did I ever not mention him? I think he's in every interview I ever gave about that film. Pat Johnson, who was the number one stunt choreographer um, on this movie, has worked with me on my first short from Johnny Flinton, has worked with me on Green Street Hooligans, and, of course, I've always uh, coaxed him into doing this film. Um, he is, he was the captain of the Chuck Norris team. He's a world kickboxing champion. He won something sick, like 268 fights in his career. Um, he also gave me my first job in Hollywood. I was, uh, Princess Katana in the Mortal Kombat Live Tour. And, uh, uh, did a bunch of stunt work for him. Um, and now we work together and, you know, he's, he's a good guy. He's, he's like everybody's dad, isn't he? He's yeah. A he, good man. You know, man. He, he really made me happy. Well, when, when, he's the sort of person that when uh, he'd walk onto the set, everybody would want to go hug him. Well, because he wants to hug everybody. He's That's like true. that guy, you know? Yeah, he's fabulous. Yeah. Steve, I love you. I was thinking about you yesterday, and I thought what a great man you are. And That's what he's like. This is the best day that I've ever been alive. Yes. This is, this is going to be a great day. Oh, when, you know? when you ask him, uh, oh, how are you today, Pat? And he goes, if I'd be any better, I'd be the both of us. <laughs> he's a good man. I'm well, so used to working with him. I mean, that that's a thing. Like, I can't imagine, you know, ever being on a movie where he isn't, you know? I guess we should say something about all the bloodletting going on here because there's quite a bit. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of that wasn't us, quite honestly. A lot of the climax was second unit. We pretty much followed Ray down the hallways Correct. with Steadicam and got all of his coverage in every direction he was shooting, and then second unit came and shot other people getting blown up. Well, if we ever needed more time and more days, it was in, the, in that hotel. Because, um, you know, you have to imagine that the finale had to be shot there. Uh, the big between, like, let's play a game, um, the big LBJ bathroom fight with Castle and LBJ, all of this. So first unit, when first unit has four days in there, that means <laughs> if we really want some acting actually on, on our footage, we have to race through that. Um, so, you know, the truth is we basically followed the main actor. That is correct, you know, and the rest uh, Duck and Brian provided us with. And once again, you know, I mean, we didn't, I didn't ask him for as much as they ended up providing us. This, um, 
a lot of things as a filmmaker you come up with because it's necessary. This used to be a scene on the second floor where shit happened everywhere, you know? And no, we can't do that, we don't have time. So I said, okay, what could he do with one room? So I said, what if they all, you know, wait in front, in one room all together thinking he's gonna storm him and they're all gonna have a shot at him. And this turned out and this basically became this shot. And then JB, our Marine, told me that in Iraq they use these things called, uh, I think they're called room cleaners or something like that, where they shoot this grenade and then it blows up and it basically the shrapnel hits everywhere. And that's what we used. I have to say, the Marines are all dick this movie, so I'm very happy about that. But that's because JB, you know, made us look good. Bad Irish guy. Here right now, that was a big laugh from people, you know, uh, some people who have never heard of The Punisher wrote reviews, said, I can't believe they had this guy's head blow up. It's once again taken a direct comic book frame. This is what's in every frame in the comic book movie, you know. It's great stunt work here. Yeah. Oh, LBJ had the greatest stuntman, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He oh looked just like God. him. I know, but he's also like, he's amazing. It's the only time I allowed anybody to do some kind of martial arts stuff because he was just so good at it that it would have been sad if he doesn't. But I also thought the fact that Castle actually has a valid opponent in somebody, this is, here's the martial arts, a butterfly kick. The, the fact that Castle has an evil opponent uh, that's actually become dangerous to him, who is that small, um, a lot of people thought it would make it really interesting, and it did. It did turn out really interesting. It's just a different kind of, like, not strength. You know, he doesn't match him in strength and physical appearance, but more in, like, his evilness. His evilness is so bad that he does get to him. Perhaps we should mention the toxicity of this uh, John Abbott uh, college. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should we really? Lionsgate's going to get sued for that. No. <laughs> but somebody's getting cancer in five years. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, we did, well, first of all, we did have it tested. Apparently it was yes, tested, right? Uh, people Always. were, and it turned out, it said, okay, it's not toxic. This is an abandoned big university building. And they tested it and they said it's safe but of course they tested it when it was all quiet they didn't test it when you know 200 people are moving equipment through there so all that shit came off the floor and all that and so we were all standing there in these nuclear suits and these masks on but you know when you're the head of the department or an actor you can't be with your mask on most of the time you have to talk and you get kind of sick of it putting the mask back on uh, so there was a lot of coughing going on. There was a lot of, like, uh, black stuff coming out of your nose and ears forever. But it looked really good on film. <laughs> hey, you know, that's what we live for. Now, there's uh, there's Wayne, again, being extremely patient for several days. Well, one day with first unit and four or five was second unit. Second unit, correct. <laughs> sitting and there. You know what? I think he had some. He did have some kind of injury, which I didn't find out until later, because once again, he's a pro. Um, that something with his back, and that this sitting there forever on the cold ground really hurt him. He never said anything to me. Never, never complained. Let's play a game. What do you say? And you know, Ray and Dominic, you know, worked a lot on this one too, because we. 
You and I in first unit could hardly shoot that di dialogue. I mean, we just had to race through that, and they had to come back um, for several days to do this in second unit. And ay, 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 ay. I mean, I don't think I could have done one more day in there, and they had to do twice the days we had, you know, without masks because they act as you can't put masks on them, you know. You know, this was also, this scene was not planned. This was one of those things where uh, it was written as a simple fight between Castle and Jigsaw. And I remember, it's like one of those moments that you have, like 10 days before we start shooting, I'm looking at the script and it, I think it was the middle of the night where I woke up and thought, oh my God, this is completely anticlimactic. He can't have a fight with LPJ and then have a fight with Jigsaw. That doesn't even top the fight with LPJ. It's bad. It's bad writing. It's bad filmmaking. It's bad everything, you know. And uh, and that's, if you remember, in last minute, I rewrote this whole scene and added uh, micro into it and did this whole thing about let's play a game, you know. Which, my God, thank God we did that, because oof, that would have been really bad. And it's right in front of your face and you can't see it until, you know, it's almost too late. Also, Dominic had a great stuntman. That's the centerpiece, which is the, uh, looks like a Turkish bath sort of thing. Correct. Uh, was built uh, out of plywood and two by fours in such a way that you couldn't get underneath it. And uh, apparently the art department and special effects hadn't got gotten together on what they were doing with it, with the flame in the center of the room. And so if you look closely on the floor, you'll see a big curtain cloth laying down there and that's actually covering the gas line. That had to feed oh, the I fire. remember that. <laughs> I think people were fighting over that, didn't they? Oh, I was. Uh, I, was I know that there were all kinds of fights go going on in this room. Yeah, that that was tough. See the see the thing on the floor? Yeah. Yeah, it's covering a gas line. It's fabulous. <laughs> Fuck you. Let me put you out of my. You know, Ray came up here with the... He came up with almost all the lines in that last scene. Let me put you out of my misery. This is just the beginning. You know, in the church when he said, uh, sometimes I'd like to get my hands on God. These are all lines from the book that he put in the right moments. And I was really proud of him for doing that. This was the... By the way, I have to mention that was a stuntman actually really on fire. Some guy in Canada invented some new stuff that you can put on your skin and really burn. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not a stunt woman anymore because I can tell you that. You just can't pay me enough, okay? I'm not trying it out. But <laughs> needless to say, this stuntman really was on fire. God knows how many cakes. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to be around with it. I'm like, yep, good luck. Frank! Frank, are you okay? You better get out of here. I thought that was a great, great moment here because um, it was just a group of really great actors that we like out there. We love this location. We love the way it looked. Um, All right, some some critics said something snide about you know there's a, a little girl who this guy's just killed her father and all this stuff, but he also just saved her life numerous times and 
and you know went went to battle for her family. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I'm not Just, I'm not keen on the critics right now. I'm like, you know what? Here's what I have to say. At the very least, go buy a comic book and look at the source material. You know, the, the, here's the thing. There's this is exactly like the comic book. You know that frame we had with him and the little kid. He's in yes. one frame. He's with the little child. In the next frame, with the little child in his arm, he's shooting somebody's head off. You know, I mean. Okay, it's this here right now where it says Jesus saves. It was actually, I don't know if even if you know this, this is how how I got the job. I came in with this picture pitching, you know, um, this this area with the neon lights and this and that. And, and I said, well, you know, I kind of see the Punisher, you know, after all he's done. There's a church that says Jesus saves and then the Jesus plinks out and distinguishes and the Punisher skull comes up and, and I think the people at the studio really like the idea. I had some pictures that I demonstrated this on. And then I like that we, it was actually Marvel who said, can we please finish on a light tone, like on, a, on, on something lighter, not dark, like something funny. And I added this scene with um, soap. Now I got brain splattered all over me, you know. Um, but essentially, it was more about Jesus says, you know, and the Jesus being replaced by the Punisher skull. And that's pretty much it. Go buy a, another DVD for your cousin in Alabama who hasn't seen this yet. <laughs> we really enjoyed making this movie for you. We did indeed. And thanks for watching it. And um, have a good time and be safe. Thanks, Lexi. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.